Mamas. Welcome to the Mama Loot. I'm Kiki. I've worked with kids forever, for my whole adult life, and their parents. And really, it started with my mum having a baby when I was 10 years old. And from that moment on, I think I began my mothering skills. And share with you my words and my wisdom and the shit that I've learned but if I want you to know anything it's to become so obsessed with creating your own magical life without ever needing to look or hear or do anything that anyone else says that's what I need you to do I need you to stop reading the books stop listening to all the self-help stop consuming social media go and put your favorite song on and dance dance through your life and enjoy it feel the sun on your face hear your kids breathing next to you like find the incredible shit you've already got and build on it there's all these people out there telling you to do shit in certain ways and most of it's bullshit most of it is just total bullshit even things that I say is gonna be bullshit to some of you it's gonna resonate with others but I want you to spend your time doing shit that's scary and amazing and fun and joyous full of tears, full of shouting, full of life. Life. You've only got one and it isn't in that self-help books. No one's going to save you. Just you. And I'll be here cheering you on. But it's up to you. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. (laughs) My husband, Eamon, is here to talk to us as well, like I promised. So we are just going to have a conversation like we do at the kitchen table because this makes him really nervous. <laughs> um, makes me feel a bit strange too because I'm used to just talking to myself. So, Who are you going to yell at for making noise and disturbing you then? <laughs> I don't yell at anyone ever. You know that. Don't share my dirty secrets. <laughs> the only rule that, that can happen on here is you're not allowed to share my dirty secrets. Well, you just reminded um, me you can't edit these, so you might just get rid of the ones where you yell at us I can completely. edit them. I can, kind of, but I don't want to. It takes too much time. All right, so we haven't even decided what we're going to talk about, but we thought, well, I was trying to convince Eamon to talk about neurodiversity. But you say I'm not allowed to talk about anything technical (laughs) or boring. No, I think you're better at the technical than me. (laughs) Yeah, but you say it's boring. It is kind of boring. I just want to know, like, how it impacts me. But anyway, so should we talk about kids with neurological problems or, like, adults with neurological problems? You know more about adults and I probably know more about about kids. kids. But that, I mean, we're having a conversation this afternoon about psychiatric hospitals and the 
which I like and knew absolutely nothing about. So the anti-psychiatry movement, which was in the 70s? 70s. Oh, anti-psychiatry was 60s. Deinstitutionalization, which we were talking about today, was the 70s when they shut down all the, I suppose you could call them, asylums or mental hospitals, institutions. Um because you were asking about, you were down at some nice spot at the river. And yeah, somehow... that used to have a women's um, alcohol problems hospital, but essentially like a mental institution. It's the second place we've been to in a week, I think, that had a mental institution mm-hmm. on, the, on the place. Um, I thought the information about Greylands, which if you're not... In Western Australia, that is like our, isn't our main mental institution? Yeah, yeah, they're big. Yeah, so that had fifteen hundred beds. Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred in the eighties. It would have been around the eighties, um, and, and then, now it has. Well, when I worked there about ten years ago, it had a hundred and twenty. Yeah, so that's like a sixth of what it was. Mm. essentially and so do you feel like every i don't i don't know anything about that time but like so people were like finding out what happened within psychiatric institutions and then like revolted against it essentially is that the kind of overarching look that's my take on it and it's probably a good lead into what you were sort of wanting yeah but i don't feel like we've had any kind of revolt against anything yet well, we have. It's just most people, you know, I only know about this because how long ago was it now? 20 years ago when I went to uni oh, for social yeah, work. We, we learned yeah. about this, but yeah. that was really because the people teaching us were part around, were, yeah. were part of that in the, yeah. you know, 70s and 80s. You know, they, I suppose they were a bit out of touch um, yeah. with, with current, current trends at the time. But, you know, now when I look, look back on it, I kind of see where, I suppose this is just my opinion, but I kind of feel like there's a bit of a groundswell, you know, interestingly from the academic community as well, but certainly from the community, maybe, I don't know if you'd say against psychiatry, but it, to me, it mirrors. So around the 80s, the Dean. Well, because everything repeats itself at some point, right? Exactly. It's, and in the 80s, it was saying, well, we don't really agree with lobotomies and ECT <laughs> and putting someone in an institution. I still find that crazy, but yeah. Yeah, and we don't really agree with putting someone in an institution forever mm. because they have a mental illness. Um, but and, now we just drug them. But now we're seeing so the... That the impact of just recent like... study with, well, you know, saying that really maybe a lot of these theories, which they, they have only ever been theories about the biochemical explanations of mental illness. Uh, there was a study not long ago about antidepressants and that basically the serotonin theory, which for oh, over a decade, I'm sure, has been... I suppose, this gold standard model about how we understand mental illness, and it's not... Mostly not... depression and anxiety, though, right? Uh, schizophrenia. Sorry, that's our bed yeah, that's on a... Eamon's side. Creek's like an old person's bed. I'm too fat. <laughs> um, just to, like, clarify for people who don't speak the lingo, is, like, we... The theory was always that 
people had a chemical imbalance and that was why they were depressed or anxious. And there was a study that came out recently that was probably funded by someone who doesn't pay for... No, it wasn't a study. Um, so was was it int- a study? No, so no. it was a meta-analysis. So. Okay where they looked at all the studies over the past, not every single one. So that's why it's got more validity. Yes, because you look, what they found essentially was that there was no convincing evidence for the serotonin theory. Um, Meaning people have a chemical imbalance, that's why they have these problems. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's some interesting stuff that's not new knowledge um, that's come out of that, which is, is that, you know, antidepressants are usually slightly better than placebo yeah. Um, in in randomized controlled trials, but not very good. Yeah. So more than half of people who are treated with antidepressants get no benefit whatsoever. Yeah. Um, side effects, a lot of them, and get worse. The side effects are wild. Yeah. And you know, a proportion of people get you know maybe very very mild, moderate. Some people say they they help them amazingly, and I I think that's a, you know it's a good thing, good thing that they're there. But I, I just kind of found it interesting maybe to tie back to this, that deinstitutionalization discussion yeah. that, you know, now, now we're getting into, there's a lot of talk about neurodiversity and parallel to this biochemical model, there's been a lot of brain scans, brain yeah. imaging and the like done and, and trying to explain mental illness um, and, and psychological, psychiatric, neurological disorders in that way. Yeah. And it's again, it's not that there's no evidence. There definitely is some evidence for the biochemical model as well. Mm. But it certainly doesn't explain everything. No. And I think that when you look at like the neurodiversity type stuff, it's really hard because there's aspects of general living and who's like raising kids and who's taking care of these kids and how they're ending up with these problems is so different to previous generations um you know and also if we're saying that these things are neurological like there's a TikTok trend at the moment where they show baby there's this thing about autism where they're showing my baby was normal and they show like a photo or a video of them for every month of their first year of life and then at like 13 or 14 months they stop making eye contact they stop smiling and they stop laughing and all these things and I was like well how can it be a neurological problem if it's just happens at that age that's not really possible right but then one lady showed the same thing and she was on the same trend so you know it's got an audio that goes along with it and it's viral probably in the autistic kind of space and she was like so they developed autism at 15 months but she's like that's also when I got beaten the shit out of and left in hospital by the child's dad so the child was like left with foster carers or something like went through significant trauma and then she shows the baby like never smiling again Mm, essentially (laughs) and I was like um (laughs) I mean anyone who's listening to this knows that I'm not like the hugest fan of like the word trauma but that baby had obviously experienced some level of trauma um by given being given to different caregivers 
um, and then had a neurological response. Or is it a neurological response or just an, an, a normal emotional reaction to stress? That's what you were wanting yeah, to, 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 to bring up is the stress. And that's kind of kind of the gap that we're all missing because, and I think it's something that we just, stress is something that, you know, like I'm cautious about bringing up because lots of my clients have very busy lives and I don't want to shame them for their busyness of life, I suppose. But the the rate at which we are all moving and the speed of which we have to propel our children at the same time to keep up with us is probably causing more stress than many people's brains can actually handle right yeah so. and i i think the you know the the useful thing about bringing stress into the discussion is you you don't have to kind of completely invalidate or give up or prove any of the other theories wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, they all still exist, Yeah, right? in science it's called a stress vulnerability model, so that still overlays the, the biochemical theory of yeah. mental illness and neurological problems, and it also overlays the, let's just call it the kind of brain structure, or the, the neurological um, structural theory where people saying that's where their conditions come from. Yeah. If you look at it through a stress vulnerability lens, what you're basically saying is you could have two people, you know, we were talking about that there's a lot of studies done on identical twins who are separated at birth with schizophrenia and showing that, well, really not the only thing. So identical twins both have a strong, would both have a strong genetic predisposition to schizophrenia. Um, if one of them develops a condition and particularly if there's a family um, uh, that's a kind of family trait that's passed down and what they, this is really generalizing things but what they find is the people who have a and not a stress-free life uh, a life where that's not even possible <laughs> no because that that's a stress in itself that yeah that's yeah a, yeah yeah you know never the less stress kind of the shittier your yeah life be but anyway. being exposed to stress that you can deal with at periods throughout your developmental years and your childhood, that that tends to be be positive. But expose anyone to overwhelming stress, you know, even you're talking about what a fifteen month old, yeah. um, that kind of experience is is you know whether you have a, a biochemical imbalance or a neurological problem, whether or not you do that kind of stress, that would that would be in the realms of, you know, like toxic, overwhelming stress is going to give give anyone, it would be unusual if they didn't have some kind of negative emotional response that, you know, that's just that's just called a realistic response to your life situation. I think I think sometimes as well that's kind of like the problem with let let's say tr- like tr- the word trauma. But, and this is, I did an audio on this already, but like, so there's like really traumatic events. Like let's say someone gets killed in front of you or you're in a really awful car accident or, or things like that. To me, that's like trauma. It's a unbelievable kind of event that you couldn't even imagine happening in your life. But we all experience really big events in our lives that are really horrible and really awful. But often I think the stress either leading up to or after the events 
is what's causing the like perceived trauma, right? So if you experience, like I experienced, um, like let's say going to, so I, I think I went to nine schools, okay, mm. as a kid. And so I could say that that was traumatic, but I don't actually believe it's tra- that's trauma. It's the stress related to each of those events of moving schools. It's mm. like the lead up to like usually we were moving homes or moving locations and then starting a new school is really stressful on the body, like trying to make friends, trying to work out how you fit in, mm. all those kinds of things. But I think in our current terminology, it would be perceived as like trauma, that I had experienced trauma like that. Whereas I see that as just like prolonged stressful periods. Yeah. And they're really hard to recover from. And the biggest gap in those periods, I mean, from what I experienced, all the things that I really struggled with in my childhood and probably in our marriage as well, is the times where I've had that stress, but I haven't been loved through it. Mm. You know, like the gap is love. Like the gap is... So, you know, if you're... You know, you and I have experienced huge volumes of stress in the last few years. Mm. And the times where we have, like, debated the, the love for each other and been unsure of that is probably when it felt the worst, right? Like... When you... When we doubt it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When... Yeah. Um, or when you... And that's a good example. And that's when it becomes... Mm. It feels really traumatic. Like... Well, and when you think that's the... Pro- I, I think this is the... And, and again, it's not to say that mental illness and neurological problems don't exist. Well, I do say that sometimes. Can, so these you, people would probably You can that. say that. <laughs> but okay. I'm, I'm not um, going to say it's that. It's not that they don't exist. No, I just think, like... Okay, you know, I'm going to, like, interrupt you. But, like... An example of, like, I've seen all of our kids have extremely autistic traits, mm. right? Especially around devices. Like, mm. I've seen our kids, like, walk in circles or flap their arms, yeah, bang yeah. their heads into yeah. the wall. Um, most of it would be related to technology, but also when the family home has prolonged stress. So well, not even when then, you when you weren't 100% or, or when I wasn't 100%. And you would see, um, like, lots of restlessness inside of themselves and many things that were would be deemed by medical professionals as non-typical mm. uh, behaviours. But when the stress goes, the mm. behaviour goes. And so I just wonder if some of these people aren't... People, I'm talking usually about children, but I'm just wondering if maybe they're always under that volume of stress that they never even, I mean, one of my favorite things is like the graces in the gaps. Like, do they ever get enough of a gap Mm. for those those behaviors to stop? And I think the the challenge is, at least for me, the way I see it for, for parents these days is, you know, when you were talking about our kids being under stress, then that, that was actually... Well, they weren't even really no, doing they anything. No, uh, they weren't under stress. We were yeah. under stress, but they reg- you can't, you can't, you can't hide, hide that from your no. kids. Parental stress is... is so, like, even when I was changing feel. schools, I probably wasn't even that stressed. No, but your parents would have yeah. been. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. And so uh, as, I think that's... always my dad changing a job or we're moving yeah. house or... Yeah. yeah, so that would have been making it so much worse. But and well. I think that's where we can end up missing the whole issue. Again, not, not to say child therapy or any, anything is, is pointless, but I, I, it, it makes me quite sad a lot of the time that we, we point at kids. Kids get labelled with a disorder... When really the parents are, I mean, life. Well, actually, what they're doing is creating order. Well, That's the... what the, I mean. The, the stressed response is a form of order. Like mm. if you look at um, kids who are autistic, they're actually doing repetitive behaviors to try and create order to within try and themselves. Get some yeah, well, it's soothing themselves yeah. in some kind of way. So, but really, you know, this isn't an easy answer. But really, you know, because it, it's very, I I don't know any any good solutions for parents not to be stressed, like how you're supposed to manage uh, work, earning enough money, um, you know, looking after yourself and looking after your kids and kind of making a whole lot of calm and peace within that. Um, you know, there, there's no easy answers to that, but I, I think there are better answers. Than what we're currently. Well, then, you know, some a, propor- a small proportion of those kids will have some kind of neurological or biochemical disorder, but most of them, just through the statistics, I think the problem is when you look at the DSM-5 and you look at the prevalence of any of these neurological disorders um, when they do the epidemiological studies, the amount of medications that are given out far exceeds the prevalence of, yeah. of the conditions. So we're using, I can use a probably less threatening example with diabetes, but we're using the medication as a band-aid yeah. for the parental and familial stress. Yeah. Diabetes is a good example because you could say <clears throat> someone might have a predisposition, a genetic predisposition to yeah. type 2 diabetes, they put their body under stress through eating too much sugar, yeah. being overweight, not exercising enough. They develop diabetes. There's two ways you can treat that. You can inject yourself with insulin mm-hmm. because your body's not producing enough. You can take some other medications that will sort of uh, kick some of your organs into hyperdrive to produce more insulin. Those both come with a whole raft of negative effects. They might be granted, they might be better if the person can't or won't exercise or lose weight or anything. But, you know, I think most people would agree, while it's not easy, the better option is to try and look at the lifestyle change that you can make. You know, I'd say... You know, like, maybe not just on the topic of diabetes, but, like, I think... I think we're unwilling to address as a society, like why our kids are in such a bad way, like, Mm. that we have to take responsibility. Like, we have to go... And, you know, I think the thing is as well, we feel like we're at this point where we have to go so far against the grain, we're so, like, totally socially ostracised by Mm. everyone because of our fucking weird choices to do random shit that doesn't make sense to other people, you know? It's like... But I suppose in a way, like, wanting to treat diabetes with diet and exercise would pr- seem pretty out there these days as well, right? Because... Uh, a lot of doctors would look at you like you're funny. They, I mean, yeah. you know, not, not that they wouldn't but support I mean, you in it, but... A general practitioner's job these days really is just to prescribe medication. 
Yeah, and you know, let's be honest. I th- I think this is going to sound flippant, but I think you know, reducing stress in the family home and you know, starting an exercise and weight loss regime, like actually sticking to either of those and achieving results and being successful, they're both just as hard as each other. They're like, yeah, you know, yeah. only a five percent or so of people who try and we all want to do it, but like society doesn't support us to do it. That's the problem. No, like not not saying like you don't need society support to want to lose weight, right? But it's certainly not. I mean, weight loss is probably not the most ideal example for these guys, but like. Um, but when we go to a professional, you know, for us to homeschool, I mean, you thought I was batshit crazy. Everyone thought I was mm. batshit crazy. So you have to, you know. I mean, I think that's why I like want to talk about people using their intuition is that like you, you kind of already know that you're called to a way, mm. but it's the unwillingness to follow the way. Well, you have um, to pave your own path. Cause it's like, if you, you know, if, if you or your child, same with an adult or child, right? If, if you're having, you know, some of these neurological or, or mental health conditions and you want help with them, you know, you're not really going to get that kind of help. You know, adults will get some advice maybe, but I know for sure parents won't get practical support for, you know, reducing stress in their family home. The, the treatments we get when we go... I don't even think it's talked about. Well, how do you treat? I mean, you, but you can't do it. You know, like, like as a teacher and you've got this kid who's just like fucking impossible, there's no way you can approach that parent and say like... It's because you, like, you know, I remember with some of my kids, like, I was like, this is just because you're working, like, 50 hours a week that your kid wants to beat the shit out of everyone, like, but but we look at the kid and try and fix them, you know, like, I can remember I'd set up, like, wrestling mats and all kinds of stuff, Mm. but really, essentially, the problem was the whole life experience that person well and i think what you're getting at is that you there's no other way than to chart your own path because a therapist can't like get you to find another less stressful job that's going to kind of make you more money and less hours and not and not emotionally drain you so that you can be you know more present and in in a better emotional state to care for your kids so like with the homeschooling thing, you know, there's no, there's a very easy path there. If you want your children to be educated, you put them in mainstream schooling. That all paves the way. If yeah. you want um, a job and an income, you can take your pick through any number of, you know, ready-made jobs, career paths and the like that you go through. But if you want anything outside of that, you, you, you have, have to build it. Yeah, you, you have you to know, do it yourself. You can't go to a professional. About how my nana was telling me about how they lived in a shed and how my poppy built his their house. Like, he made the bricks and everything. Mm. Like, their first house, he, like, built the whole fucking house. And maybe if your husband's a tradie, it could make sense to you in your mind, but you've never been a tradie. No, so no, definitely not. in my mind, I was like, wow, I just can't even picture my husband building a house. Now, but if I looked at what that looks like currently in our life and what you and I have experienced, I've talked a bit to these people about, is like maybe we don't have to build our own houses anymore. 
Like we don't have, and and no. how blessed are we that we don't yeah, have yeah. to get out there and build our own fucking bricks yeah. in live in a shed. And there are still people who did that, do that. So like, props to them. But if you want a different life to someone, which is what they wanted at that time, right? You don't yeah, build your yeah. own house unless you want a well, different life. Well, they could life. have still paid someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure like, but you wanted a different... They wanted to live house. in a specific area yeah, that yeah. was unaffordable to them, so they made their own fucking bricks. Yeah, yeah. But now, like, we want to travel and, you know, we have all these plans. But to do that, you and I have to build a life that other people aren't willing to build. Like, well, or not, un, not, not willing, no, that's not... the wrong words. But, like, you know, it takes a certain t- type of person to go build your own house and it takes a certain type of person to try and build your own life. And we were living a life that had been given to us on a platter. Like, here's your degree, yeah. here's your life. Go earn your, you know, you go from 70000 a year to 80000 mm. 90000 100000 blah, 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 boring. And then it just stops and you've been paid the same amount for yeah. the last 10 years. But if you're wanting, like, building a life actually takes you building a life. Like, and we've been talking, mm. not fighting, but, you know, talking today <laughs> about... Heatedly. I don't know if it was heatedly, but, no. you know, I just cry. Um... <clears throat> I'm a Pisces. I'll come back as another star sign in my next life where I don't cry all the time. But anyway, talking about like what it actually takes for us to put the bricks together to actually get where we want to go and how agonizing that is for us as individuals who are used to having like government jobs where paychecks come into our bank account. And you know, I think if you've got kids in full-time school and you've got, like, these safe, good jobs, how are you going to build that stress-free life? Because there's a lot of stress that comes with those things. You know, I think your kids can be in school full-time and, not, and you're, not, like, not fully stressed out, but I think the vast majority of people are mm. super stressed. I think you, you know... And our kids are just responding to us. Mm. I think you've got the topic for the next podcast, though, rather than talk about all <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was like, oh, I want to talk about masculine and feminine, but, like, I think we're we'll at almost that. 30 minutes now. I think so, the next topic um, would be, you know, I think the, the thing is, we've talked about this a lot before as well, the deal has changed. So the, the suburb we live in, um, no way we could afford to buy a house here yeah. um, at, at all, ever, yeah. or not in our old our old jobs, let's yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, a generation ago, all the people living here were, were public servants. Yeah. You could raise a family off one income. You could still have your and house, have two cars your holidays, well. your two yeah. cars, your holiday homes and like. And I don't think that's just with the public service. I think that's become in the yeah, private sector yeah. now. Yeah. The deal has changed under our noses, I think, without a lot of us realising, where you go out, get a job, work hard, you know, you'll be able to have... Are we saving this for the next one? Yeah, we're saving you, yeah, it. I'm okay. just teasing. This is, this is a, this is a okay. promo teaser. Right, where, okay, sure. let's just leave it at... The deal has changed. <laughs> okay, the deal changed. None of us realised. We okay. can talk about it next time. All right, okay. So we'll finish up for neurological stuff. Stress. Sure. Go live a stress-free life. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> It's actually not easy. <laughs> it's not very stress-free well, so, either, is it? It's so stressed so, yeah, that yeah. you're like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
sitting there in the morning, like yeah. just drinking your coffee, yeah. <laughs> going, I don't have to do my work till like five o'clock in the afternoon. And you're yeah, like, yeah. I'll, fuck, I'll stay up till midnight I'll now. I'll leave all my work till Sunday. Okay. See you guys.